You're listening to a message from Heritage Christian Fellowship in San Clemente, California. For more information, go to heritagesc.org. Good morning, everyone. So good to see you guys. Uh, I'm quite proud of myself that I have um, successfully managed to avoid preaching at Heritage for 18 years. <laughs> but my streak has come to an end. Um, the other day, I, I led a devotion for our staff, and um, Peter asked me if I would be willing to, to share with you guys what, what I shared. Um, I love the body of Christ and the fact that God's called all of us to represent Him. And uh, We all have different gifts and uh, unique talents and stories and this morning, I get a chance to share my heart with you guys, so I'm, I'm really excited to share with you. Uh, when you see the worship leader get up to preach, you automatically think that he's going to talk about worship. And uh, <laughs> I am going to talk about worship, but probably not in the way that you would expect. Um, I want to talk about how we as a church can worship God with more than just our singing. We love singing to God, and it's an amazing gift that he's given us to connect with him. Um, but I found out that in Hebrew the word that they use for worship is the same word that's used for work. Isn't that quite profound? So how can we be worshiping God with everything that we do as a church? Scott Bailey, I, I was hoping that you were going to sit right there because, you know, you've got to find a face to zoom into. That's, that's Scott right there because he's agreeing and nodding. So let's look at the scripture. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Amen? So we're going to talk about that, and, and I'm going to get into that. I'm excited to, to share that with you. But before I do that, I want to just um, spend a little bit of time and catching you up with our family, what we've been up to in this past season. We've been away for a while. Uh, for those of you that know our family, you know that um, I was the worship pastor here for, from 2005 until 2014. And then in 2014, my wife, Carrie, and I started having this dream about traveling with our kids around the country, and um, it just kind of burnt in us, and eventually we, we plucked up the courage, and we sold everything we had, and we bought a big old RV and a truck, and we went on this um, year-long adventure around the country. Um, you know that, that saying that says, with great risk comes great reward? And that was the case for us. We took a big risk. It was scary. But the reward was incredible. Uh, we had this most incredible life-changing year, and the memories and the experiences and what the Lord did in us will always be with us. So um, God blessed us for stepping out in faith. Um, I handed over to my friend Paul Jackson, and we just, we, we headed out. Um, I want to show you guys, a, can I show you some pictures from our trip? Okay. I don't want this to be the whole message, but. Um, so this is us in our truck. So we had a big old diesel truck, so we'd all pile in the truck, and then we were pulling a trailer. I don't think we'd fit today, but we, we did fit back then. So that's us, and this is our rig. So we had the, the big old truck. That truck had 250,000 miles before the trip started. It was like an old beast. I'm amazed we made it. That whole thing was like almost 60 foot long, so it was like driving a big rig. It was super scary. <laughs> uh, this is us at, at Yellowstone. Um, we got, I mean, this country is so beautiful. It was incredible to see all those things. Uh, this is us at Mount Rushmore. 
And what was pretty cool, like a, a week or two before we were supposed to be in Mount Rushmore, Kerry and I got the call to say that we are U.S. citizens, so we got sworn in. Um, and, and we got to go to Mount Rushmore, so it was a very patriotic experience. Um, this is the kids in the snow for the first time. Kids loved it. We didn't love it so much. And that's us um, then and now. So... There was a time when my whole family combined weighed as much as I did. I'm glad that's, <laughs> I don't know if you should cheer for that, but if that was the case today, I'd be like 600 pounds. Um, so an amazing experience doing this road trip, and it's funny that I, I thought like our main mission was like me going to go play at different churches, and I did that. But I feel like the biggest thing was like what God did in our family. He just built this amazing foundation and this bond between us. Um, is Jeff Gerard here? Um, Jeff was one of our elders, and, and the, the elders prayed for us, and, and he had a word from God, and he said, I feel like this trip is going to be even more for your kids than it's going to be for you. And that's so true. Um, it was huge for our kids and for their personal faith. Uh, I want to just share one story with you. Uh, we were on our way from Wisconsin to Chicago, and we headed out in the morning, we were all ready to go, um, filled up the truck, packed everything up, and we, and we headed out into the country. And a little ways into our trip, we were heading up a hill, and I felt the truck start dying. It was like starting to splatter, and I thought it was a transmission, which would be a big deal. And we were super freaking out, and as this started happening, Kerry and the kids just started praying, and they were like, Lord, we need a miracle, just help us. So kind of in the middle of nowhere, there's a few things here and there. I'm heading up this hill, and we're just dying by the second. As we get to the top of the hill, the truck dies, but we're able to coast down an exit. So we're coasting down the exit, and right as the exit ended, right through that exit was a Ford dealership, like right there, and we had a Ford truck. So we cruised into this Ford dealership, and there was this old guy, um, this really knowledgeable mechanic, and he checked it out, and he said, you didn't happen to put gasoline in your diesel truck, did you? And I was like, no, we, we always put the green thing in. And he was like, well, yeah, in Wisconsin, at BP, the green ones are the, is gasoline. So I had filled our truck with gas. Um, fortunately, it was just a quick fi fix. He just had to flush it, and he said, I'm going to keep it overnight, but come back tomorrow, and you'll be good to go. So we um, packed our little backpacks, and we went to a hotel down the street. And we got there, and the hotel had no rooms. The only room they had left was this family penthouse suite. And they put us in this room, and it was awesome. It had these queen beds that were suspended from the ceiling. It was just amazing. And on, on top of that, um, this, this hotel had a, a water park in the hotel. So the kids and us, we just went and we spent the night in the water park. And it went from being like this really scary thing where the truck is going to die to God just saying, I want to bless you guys, you know. And it was a lot of stories like that that just built this amazing faith into our kids. So they have their own stories now, how they prayed and God came through. So uh, I feel like that was like a, a main part of the trip. Um, yeah, it was good. But during our road trip, uh, we made a stop in Nashville, Tennessee. And I recorded an album while we were there. And I really loved the, just the musical camaraderie there. There's like, Nashville's called Music City. And all the songwriters, musicians, labels, everyone's there. And it was awesome. And I started feeling like this is somewhere where I think we could maybe settle down after our trip. Um, but I didn't want to tell my wife and kids because we've always been like beach people and we never planned to move away from the ocean. Uh, but while we were there, 
Kerry came to me randomly one night. She said, hey, I feel like the Lord is leading us to settle here. And you know, if you're married, anytime your wife suggests something that you want, it's a good situation. <laughs> so we, we landed up settling in Nashville. We actually bought a house there and got pretty settled. It was a really good five years. Um, it was tough too. I think God kind of took us out of our comfort zone. And, and the people in the South are great, but it's just like it's, a, it's a, almost a different country. It's, it's like quite a culture shock. Um, one of the things that God really taught me was about my identity. Uh, because when I was in San Clemente, when I was here, I was Gary the songwriter, Gary the worship leader, Gary the singer. But when you go to Nashville, everyone's a singer and a songwriter and a worship leader, and you're just a dime a dozen. I'm like, I'm not special anymore. <laughs> and um, that was God's way of saying, hey, you're not Gary the songwriter, Gary the singer, you're Gary the, my child. And he just kind of taught me again how to find my identity in, in just being a child of God. So that was a huge lesson. I know it's natural for us to find our identity in what we do. But I believe God's calling us as Christians to first be a child of God. Like, I don't love my kids because they're good at school or they're good at sports. I love them because they're mine. And that's what God is teaching me. I love you because you're mine, not because you do stuff for me. That was a big lesson. Another thing that I learned was um, I learned a lot about myself. Um, I joined this guy's group. Uh, we would meet every Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. And this group was led by this really gifted counselor and pastor. And his whole thing was like, especially for us guys, we, if we're going to go deeper with the Lord and deeper with each other, we've got to get real. And I feel like, especially us guys, we're a bunch of middle-aged dads, and we realized that we were really out of touch with, with, with what was really going on in our hearts. So we have this mask and this ego, and we live out of that for so long, eventually we start thinking that that's who we are. But then your relationships are real shallow because no one really knows who you are. So we just practice just getting real with each other. And um, it's amazing how much deeper you can go with the Lord and with other people if you can just be real. It's scary to, to let that guard down, but that's how we really live life. Um, I found out that for me, um, my ego, my way of surviving is by being like a peacemaker and just go with the flow. And um, that's kind of a natural thing for me, but it's also kind of like my, my mask sometimes. Like that's how I, I survive. But God was teaching me that there's times when you need to speak up, when I've given you something to, stay, to say and not just shrink back. So um, when Peter asked me to share, my initial thought was like, no, I, I don't have anything important to say. And then the Lord was like, no, you do. You need to speak up. You need to um, share what I've done in your life. So that's what I'm doing this morning, stepping out of my little bubble. So I've entitled my message this morning, the song of heritage. I got an R. <laughs> the song of heritage. So how can we as a church at Heritage become everything that God has intended for us to be? How can we look the way God wants us to look? So I just have some ideas I want to share with you guys. Let me start by saying that at the end of the day, God is going to build his church. He said he would, and the gates of hell will not prevail. The Holy Spirit's going to do his thing, and when it's all said and done, Jesus will be glorified and his kingdom will come. That's what he said. But he also said he wants to partner with us. He's going to use the church to, to accomplish that. That's amazing. But how do we as heritage not miss out? Uh, don't you guys want to be part of that kingdom coming? How do we stay in step with what God is doing? So we're going to talk about that, but can I just pray for us before we start? Lord, thank you so much for Heritage. Thank you for 
the song that you are writing through us. And um, God, we want to be obedient. We don't want to miss you. We want to listen to your voice. And I just pray this morning that every single ear and heart would be open to what you have to say. I can say a lot of things, God, but it's what, what you have to say. Holy Spirit, would you just resonate um, some of these words in our hearts and speak to us and change us in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've always been amazed at how God prepares us for what he calls us into. So like he uses the past seasons, even the difficult things, he uses that for his glory and for our good and for, this, for the next season. Like um, For me, having stepped away from heritage for six years and coming back, I feel like the Lord is like, hey, I, I, need to, I need to do some work in your life. I need to train you and get you ready for this next season. And I feel like that's what it was. I did a bunch of different things during the past six years. But for the most part, I was a musician working in the music industry, um, doing music ministry, and that, that was my main thing. And um, early on, during my time in Nashville, um, I signed a publishing deal. And for those of you who don't know what that is, I was basically a full-time songwriter. So I was, I was writing songs for other people um, for a living. And um, I'm used to writing songs. I've always written songs by myself. But the way that they do it in Nashville is in these um, song, these co-writing sessions. So they put you with a bunch of other writers, one, two, three, four, five other people. They put you in a room, and for four hours you, you write a song. And hopefully by the end of it you have a song or, or the majority of a song. And there was a major crash course. It's super scary in the beginning, just getting thrown in a room with random strangers and, and being told to write a song. Um, this is kind of what it looks like. That, that's just one example. Um, some guys have their instruments, some guys have their computers, and, and you get together and you write the song. Um, over the past 10 months of working back here at Heritage, uh, I've been really amazed by the amount of overlap between writing a good song and being a thriving church. And the more I've thought about it and chewed on it, I've realized like it's quite a profound analogy. So I want to share that with you guys. Um, the goal of a song especially a Christian song, which I was writing, is to create something beautiful, impactful, and moving. Something that impacts lives, turns people to Jesus, and makes a difference. And it feels like that's what we're trying to do as a church, right? We want to make a difference. Um, and I, I feel like there's, there's different things that, there are certain things that make all the difference between a good song that's going to impact the world and just an average song that's going to be filed away by the publisher and probably never heard. Um, so I want to, as I share these things with you, I want you guys to think of yourselves as songwriters. This is, this is the songwriting room. All of us are the songwriters. And the melody and the lyrics that we come up with is what we're going to offer to the Lord. So Lord, this is our song to you. But it's also going to be the song that we sing over the world and sing over the city of San Clemente. It's important that we, we sing the song God wants us to sing. Amen? So... Um, I want to share six keys to good songwriting that I have found make all the difference. And I want us to look at how these could relate to us as a church. So I found these six things to be a game changer in songwriting. I'm going to share them with you guys. The first one is get the right people in the room. So in order to write a great song, you need to have the right people in the room. Um, some people are really good at writing like a catchy melody that gets stuck in your head. Other people are good at the lyrical content and crafting the story. Some people are good at supporting melody lines. Other people are good at like grammar and rhyming, making sure that that all makes sense. 
but you kind of have to have all your bases covered. You need all of those parts to write a good song. Let's read 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 6. It says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and in, every, in everyone, it is the same God at work. Amen. Amen. So, if we relate this to us as a church, uh, do we have the right people in the room? That's a good question to ask. And seriously, I 100% believe that we do. I feel like there's just the most amazing gifts and talents here in this church. God's given us everything we need to write the song. We all have different gifts, and he's calling all of us to contribute. Like maybe you have a line or a melody. You need to contribute that because that's going to make the song everything that it can be. Heritage is not just the staff and the elders, it's all of us. And if all of us are operating in our giftings and contributing, I really think that we have everything we need people-wise to write this song. There's no accident for you being here. Um, it's pretty cool how over the past uh, couple of months, we've had multiple messages that have spoken about the same thing. Uh, Jared shared the message about the body of Christ, all the different body parts. It takes all those body parts to make the body. You can't function with just a hand. And then Peter shared about how we uh, are all the ingredients to making an amazing soup. When they all come together, it's great. And sometimes when there's just one ingredient by itself, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, take, for instance, like a piece of ginger. Has anyone ever taken a bite of a piece of ginger? You have? That's not very wise. <laughs> but it tastes really terrible. But if you add it in the right moderation to your soup or your dish, it just adds another really depth of flavor. So when we come together, it all makes sense. The second point to writing a good song, the second thing to keep in mind is to stick to the brief. So in many cases, what would happen is um, the publishers would give you some instructions, and it's called a brief, and it would, would tell us like what kind of song they're looking for. So this would keep you on track. Like Even if everyone in the room is, is loving the idea and we're just gelling and this, it's really cool, but it's got nothing to do with the, the instructions for the song, that song's not going to get cut. And in the publishing world, cut means recorded and used. And then everyone, you know, the songwriters make money when the song's used. So the song's not going to get cut if you don't stick to the brief. Like they would say to us, hey, um, today we're going to write a worship song for this album and we kind of want this vibe focused on this theme. Or they would say, we're going to write a pop song for this new, new artist and their new radio single. So you use that as your, your direction. Let me read Matthew 22. This is our brief right here. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And then our great commission from Matthew 28 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. So what is our brief as songwriters here at Heritage? What do we need to stick to? And I feel like God's told us very clearly there, our brief is to worship and glorify Him and to make disciples, to love God and to love others. But the question is, like, are we sticking to that or are we getting distracted? It's so easy to get distracted, but when you have a brief, you can say, am I doing those things. So you, everything we do, we can check up against that. 
I don't know how many times someone in the songwriting session would have this little riff or a little phrase, and they're just gung-ho on fitting it into the song. Uh, but that can ruin the song. If it's not you know, sticking to the brief, like your own little idea could possibly ruin the song. So I think we always need to just be checking. Are we sticking to the brief? And then we need to, this is a good one, give and receive honest feedback, which is really hard for us humans. I've been in many co-writes where people were too worried about hurting someone's feelings that they landed up using melodies and lyrics that were maybe weak, and those landed up ruining the song. And this is tricky because, like, we don't want to hurt someone's feelings, but at the end of the day, you have to stick to and you have to fight for what's best for the song. And sometimes someone in the group will be so attached to an idea just because it's their idea. Isn't that just human nature? We love our own ideas. Um, and if you question that person about their idea or you maybe give some feedback, they get upset and they just, you know, get all grumpy on you. And um, I found this happens quite often. And this is the, it's the death blow to a song when suddenly you can't give feedback anymore because someone's gotten all, all upset. In a good and healthy songwriting session, everyone uh, feels free to throw out their ideas. It's this creative thing and it's great. You throw out ideas, and people don't get sensitive when their ideas aren't used. At the end of the day, you're looking for the best idea. And if that's your goal instead of your idea being used, you all listen, and eventually the strongest idea comes forward, and we all get on the same page. We're like, yes, that's the best. Um, and that's how you, you write a good song. Um, there's two very important attributes to this attitude. Is you've got to have humility, but you also got to have courage. And we start with courage. You've got to have the courage to put yourself out there. And it is. It's, it's scary. Like, you have this idea, like, what are they going to think? But you just put it out there. That's the courage part. And then you've you got to have humility. You've got to be humble enough to realize that maybe your idea isn't the best idea. Maybe there's a better one out there. Or maybe the group is not going to resonate with your idea, and that's okay. So you just have to hold those ideas real loosely. Let's read here from Proverbs. It says... Those who disregard dis um, discipline despise themselves, but the one who heeds correction gains understanding. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not discard it. And it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. One of my mentors taught me to always be open to instruction and feedback. And not only be open to it, but ask for it. And that's a big one because people, people don't naturally give you um, constructive criticism. Just in our culture, that's, people don't do that. They, they, they'll say nice things to you, but they won't tell you like, hey, you could really improve in this area. But if you ask for it, it opens the door for someone to speak freely into your life. Um, it's hard to do, and, and I would encourage you all to do that. But find someone who, who loves you. Who know, you know that they're for you, ask those people, say, hey, how can I do this better? And as an example, if you are a community group leader, ask the people in your group, how can I be a better community group leader? How can our group times be better? And be open to feedback. That's such a, a huge part of us being the church that God wants us to be, is to be open to feedback. There's a lot of wisdom in all of our instruction together. I'll give you guys an example of a way to um, offer your idea or your gifts in a way that's open to feedback. So if I'm in a songwriting session and I say, hey guys, um, what do you think about the last line of this chorus maybe referring back to the theme of the song? Maybe we can sing about the holiness of God in that last line. 
What do you guys think of that? Could that work or is that redundant? Can you see the way that I'm offering my little gift there is in a very open-ended? You're like, you're willing to give it or you're willing not to use it? That's the kind of attitude we need to come, come with when we bring our gifts. Um, or you could do it like this. You could say, hey, guys, I really feel strongly about this last night. It has to be about the holiness of God, and, and I, I, we need to do that. And Actually, I feel like the Lord's telling us we need to do that, you know? <laughs> and suddenly, you've be, just become this bulldozer, and you've said, like, it's my way or the highway. And then you're not going to get the best idea because you've kind of put a stake in the ground. So let's remember to, to be courageous, get in the game, offer our ideas and our gifts, but be humble enough to just hold them loosely. They might be the best, they might not. The next thing is chase the gold. And what I mean by this is that every great song that I've ever been a part of writing has had something really special about it. What I mean by that is there's, there's some melody that in there is like, wow, that, that just moves your heart. Or there's a line in there that's just incredible and it just gets your brain thinking. And, but it has something special and I, I call that the gold. Uh, when you find that thing, it's worth writing a song around. And it's important not to let that get away. So you need that, that special thing. Uh, when Paul wrote to the early churches, he often called out the gold in those different churches. The early church, just like us, had a lot of issues, had a lot of struggles. They, they're trying to serve Jesus in the midst of a difficult culture and a, and a tough political climate. But a lot of them were, were getting a lot of things right. And different churches had different strengths. And, and Paul he said this, he, he called it out, and he, and he commended them on, on things. So here's an example of what he did. To the church in Rome, he commended them on their great faith that was being reported all over the world. To the Ephesians, he recognized their great love for each other. He praised the Philippians for partnering with him in the spreading of the gospel. They were missions-minded. He recognized the Thessalonians for their hard work and their endurance. So the question is, what is that special attribute about us as a church, about heritage? What is the gold here that we need to make sure that we, that we foster and, and we, we don't let that go? Um, I would suggest a couple of things. Um, maybe you guys will agree. I feel like this church is so passionate about worshiping God and has such a heart for the presence of God and the things of the Holy Spirit. And that's something special. That's worth writing a song around. Do you guys agree? So there's just such a hunger for God, and that's huge. Um, another thing that's special about Heritage, I believe, is just a sense of community. Like when our family came here 18 years ago, um, we experienced the most amazing community we've ever known. And this church took us in like family, and that's what's kept us connected here. Honestly, that's why we came back to Heritage. We're like, this is, feels like home. We're like, what, why would we want to be anywhere else? Um, so... That community is huge, and we've always felt like we belong here. And I feel like that's how everyone should feel when they come to church, amen? Um, it's so special. So I feel like our vision statement really captures our, our strengths well. It says, experience the presence of God and the power of family. And I know our staff and elders spent a long time in, in figuring this out, but isn't that true? That really highlights the things that, that God has deposited in this church, just a, a passion for the presence of God and this amazing sense of family. The fifth point is know when to lead and know when to follow. There are times um, where you come into a song ride and you just feel like you're on fire. You know, creative juices are flowing and you've got great ideas. 
at that time, if there are other writers in there that are experienced and good writers, they'll recognize that. Like, hey, this guy's it's, it's, he's flowing. And then they would just become like cheerleaders. Say, hey, that's great. Keep going. Or they would kind of guide you. And there's other times where you have like writer's block and there's just nothing coming. And then you kind of change your role and you become a cheerleader. And you find that other person that's on a roll and you encourage them and you, and you guide them. Um, I think... Um, there's another place where pride can come in and kind of ruin things. Like sometimes if you feel like, I, I need to contribute an idea because you just feel like, you feel insecure, like you're not doing enough, and then you kind of push. And maybe that's not the right time for you to push. Maybe you're supposed to just take a step back and let, let other people do their thing. Um, what's really cool uh, about the songwriting world is that when you receive songwriting royalties for your songs, they are not dependent on how much you contributed to that song. So if you wrote 80% of the song that day, you're not going to get 80% of the money. Everyone is in the room has an equal ownership to that song. They just split it evenly. And I love that picture because for us as a church, like Peter or myself or Jared or the elders, we don't have more ownership on this song that we're writing as a church than you guys do. All of us have an equal share in the song. Um, I just love that thought. I think it relates to us. Um, you know, know when to lead and know when to follow relates to us because we are human and sometimes it's hard to rejoice when you see someone else succeeding or being used by God when you wish that was you. That's just normal. But we have to remember that we're on the same team. Does anybody watch basketball? Um, not many. I thought this was America. <laughs> so I, I love sports and um, when, you, when you watch basketball, and you see, like, you know who Steph Curry is? It's that three-point shooter. And sometimes he gets so hot and he's just draining everything. At that point, the whole team's job is just to feed that guy, right? Get the ball to him, he's going to drain the threes. But there's going to be a time when the guy stops draining threes and he gets cold and he can't make a shot to save his life. And then it might be your turn to, to score the points. So you just have to be open to it. It's not always going to be about you, but sometimes it is. And then you've got to be ready when that ball comes to you. Um, but the bottom line is that we shouldn't be threatened by one another's giftings. I think this is especially important for our leaders, like Peter and the elders. They need to discern what is God blessing, you know? Who's God using and, and who should be leading when and where? So pray for them. That's such an important job. Soon after I arrived back here at Heritage, um, Peter shared with me his philosophy on leadership. And he was like, he wants to be the kind of leader that facilitates the type of giftings of people in the congregation instead of doing everything himself. Isn't that an awesome philosophy? And, and I really bought into that. I'm like, this is what we need. <laughs> like, how many churches have we seen, like, they just put one person on a pedestal and becomes this, the Pope, the rock star? And, and how many times does that fail? Um, but I think if we're all owning it together, I think we can make something beautiful. Um, and then I want to talk about our youth group. Um, I feel like, yes, just clap. So we have these amazing young adults that are on fire for the Lord, and they're willing to lead, and I feel like they're just draining threes right now. So we just have to feed them the ball, and obviously we need to guide them, but let's let them lead. And it's such a great picture of us passing on not only our faith to the next generation, but also leadership onto them. The last one, Amen. Hume Lake, it's going to be awesome, guys. I'm so stoked about that. I have to go because I'm kind of overseeing them. And it's just, I'll take one for the team. Okay, the last one. 
is work until it's done. This one's no fun. So the fun part of writing a song is coming up with that really cool idea. And everyone's stoked on, on just it's moving and it's awesome. But it's actually really hard to finish a song, to, to finish writing the song. Because you have to, you know, it gets a little boring. Because you have to finish all the words and make sure everything flows and make sure the storyline just makes sense. Make sure the melodies wrap around. I mean, it's actually really hard work. It's challenging. And you don't want to ruin this great idea that you have by just forcing and, and rushing the song. Um, so you have to stay focused and work until it's done. Let me read you um, James 1, verse 2 to 4. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. Um, just like in anything in life, there's really no substitute for just hard work and perseverance. Um, it's easy to be committed to church when things are going good and it's growing and you've got momentum. You're seeing people come to Christ and people are getting set free and it's just it's rocking. It's easy to stay committed, but it's tough to stick at it when times are, are hard. And let's be honest, the last 18 months at Heritage, has, it's been a tough season. Um, but I really just want to commend you guys. So many of you had perseverance and you just stuck it out. You helped finish writing the song when it was hard. And I feel like you guys have brought us through a really tough time at Heritage. And it's because of you that we're still in the game. We're still writing the song. So I want to commend you guys on your perseverance and your hard work. Um, have, yes. I think it's awesome. It really, it's moving. Do any of you guys like to watch like band documentaries, like musical documentaries on Netflix or whatever? It's amazing to me how much of a band's success is dependent a lot on them just staying together and not breaking up. You know? It's fun to start a band, it's exciting, but it's hard to stay together when times are tough and when you're driving each other crazy. Um, but it really pays off if you can just stick it out. And I feel like that's a word for some of us is just to stick it out and, and persevere. So guys, we need to finish the song. We need to stick at it and finish the song together. Amen? Amen. So let me just um, read through those points again. Get the right people in the room. We have the right people in the room. Stick to the brief. Give and receive honest feedback. Chase the gold. Know when to lead and know when to follow. And work until it's done. So, is there anything in, in those things that I shared that you feel like the Lord is saying to you? That's really what is the most important thing. Like, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you in your heart when you hear these things? Uh, we're going to go into a time of worship and response, and I'd encourage you guys just to spend some time thinking about what I've said and, and, and just asking God, like, what are you telling me? Maybe the Lord is telling you to get in the game and to contribute, or get in the song, contribute, uh, maybe you have a melody or a phrase that you're sitting on, a gift that you're sitting on. God's saying, I want you to offer that up. Um, contribute something in the song. Maybe you've gotten distracted and the Lord is telling you to stick to the brief. Come back to loving him and loving people. Or maybe he's telling you to persevere and not lose heart and to stay in the room and help us finish the song. Um, 
You guys can stay in your seats as we worship, or you can come to the front. There's going to be the altar here that you can just come by yourself and do business with the Lord. Or the prayer team. Prayer team, if I could ask you guys to be in that corner. If you want prayer for something, come up. Um, but let's pray right now and just um, ask the Lord to, to speak to us. Lord, thank you so much for the body of Christ. Lord, it's so beautiful the way you put us all together. Um, each of us has a different gift and flavor to contribute. And um, I just pray, Lord, that whatever you spoke to our hearts, God, we would respond and we would say yes, Lord, because um, we can hear it and then we can walk out of here and not do anything. Or we can say, hey, God really told me to do this and, and I want to obey. Um, thank you, God, for speaking to us this morning. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Thank you for this church. I pray that you would write a beautiful song out of heritage, God, that uh, would not be forgotten, but that will impact the world. And most of all, that will bless your heart, that it will bring a smile to your face that our work here at Heritage would be worship to you. We love you, God. Let's all stand together. Thank you for listening. We hope you tune in next week. For more information, go to heritagesc.org.